Nelson, co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, wrote in 1952, If we examine every disturbance we have, great or small, we will find at the root some unhealthy dependence and its consequent demand. Wilson suggested that if we could identify and continually surrender these unrealistic and unrealizable demands, that we may then be able to accomplish what he imagined to be the recovery's next frontier, something he called emotional sobriety. Flash forward 70 years and join psychotherapists and best-selling authors Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger, who have taken up the mantle of exploring Bill Wilson's new frontier. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. Welcome back to Emotional Sobriety, the podcast. I'm Tom Rutledge, uh, and uh, with me is Dr. Alan Berger. Hey, Alan. Well, hi, Tom. Happy holidays, everybody. Yeah. Here we are the day after Christmas, right? And right. probably some of you really need some emotional sobriety out there by now. Right. <laughs> There's always moments, man, in these holidays, even, even for me, that my expectations get the better of me at times. So it's, uh, it's great to be here with you and great to have you join us. Patrick, how are you the day after Christmas? How do we find you? Well, um, yeah, happy day after Christmas, guys. And, uh, you know, there's a quote from um, the book that reminded me of where I'm at at my uh, end of year uh, reconciliation process. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, one of the fundamental issues for all human beings is to know that they are useful. Without that, you are a shell of a person. And um, I feel like I've been wow. I've been remarkably more useful this holiday season than I have maybe any other that I can remember, or it's been a long time anyway. And, um, you know, the, uh, addict self inside of me, I think he wants, he does not, does not want me to be useful. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a, I, I, I feel weary. I feel like I've been, uh, you know, um, doing a lot more, uh, hugs and, uh, conversations and, uh, you know, gift wrapping and, um, all, all the, all the trappings of usefulness and, uh, I, I do feel like a, a struggle going on of, you know, um, I'm a little out over my skis and uh, I, I, I'm just, hey, you know, I, I, this is probably sounding very incoherent, but at the end of the year, I'm uh, just, uh, I guess I just trying to stay, take stock of everything. No, I doubt seriously that it comes, it doesn't to us. And I speak for Alan too, but it's, it's like it, it, I don't think it, it sounds incoherent to anybody listening. I would imagine there are many people who can identify. And if you can't, it's like, I think we need to work a little harder to identify because because that's about the, that's about, you know, being the work in progress. And, and, um, and, you know, it's one thing you said, Patrick, I want to respond to, because some stuff I've been reading lately is, is, is you, you, maybe you're more, maybe you're more, you know, purposeful and, and productive than you have been in the past. And I get it that the addiction, you know, one of the, the battles with addiction is the addictions, uh, you know, have their own value system. And we have a very different value system from ours, and there's a battle with that. But when you said I'm more more useful than other other times, I'm going like, well, you're probably more aware of that. But you know, I think sometimes, you know, speaking speaking as 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 more of an older guy here, I would say I think if we look back, you know, it, if somebody were to show us a little bit of a life review, we might find that they were, we, we we serve some some interesting purposes, and you know, along the way that we had no idea. 
You know, I think that's part of that's part of having having some just some some faith and belief in in the process of the whole thing. It's just like I don't have to know how it all works. But the truth is, you know, that along the way, I may you know, it's I may have been battling with this this uh, these demons in my head, but I've I've always been here is what I've learned. And, and you were always there, Patrick. Alan was always there. We, yeah, we did. So we fought, but it's, it's like, we've, it's not like we haven't had any say in our lives we have. And, and I think the, you know, but, and of course, one of the things is we were not one of us was trained in how to give ourselves credit where credit is due. So that's, those things are not going to be registered in our history. We're going to have to go back and kind of do that with hindsight. So. You weren't asking for any of that, but there you go. No, no, but but, you know, it it raises this whole question, you know, that that you've, you know, in your intrapersonal model of therapy that you've developed, Tom, Mm -hmm. and and trained as a gestalt therapist as I am in terms of parts work. um, And, you know, lately I've been exposed to the internal family systems model. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really parts work. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you could put on that intrapersonal psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he calls it, I, I thought naively so that when he was talking about internal family systems, he was talking about how the different members in our family show up, which he is talking about that, mm-hmm. but it's more than that. You know, yeah. he's talking yeah. about parts work essentially mm-hmm. is what he's talking about mm-hmm. is all these, you know, we're always, we're all populated and he even calls out the myth of singularity like you do. Mm-hmm. He says this idea that we're one self, a mono personality is is nonsense. We're not. Well, one it, it's, self. it's it's actually the source of, of a lot of craziness. It's like when we you know, when we you know, when we believe that, that we buy into that myth of singularity, we you know, that's when we feel crazy. Because there's, right. there's, because there's, there's, what do we do with it's, these other parts, yeah, these other yeah. voices, right? You know, we right. think we're nuts because we have them and we're not. I right. mean, it's very, right. very normal. We have all of these different parts. And, you know, I was thinking as you were talking about, Patrick, is you have a part of you that is very critical at times of you and what you're doing and what's going on in your life. And I hear that part a lot when you, especially when you start getting down on yourself in terms of, Hey, what am I doing with my life? And am I really making a difference? And, 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 you know, I I hope at some point you're going to be able to really see the value that you've been to Tom and I, you know, Tom and I, we were the talent, but our talent stays between Tom and I without a Patrick. I mean, we don't get to share it with others. We don't get to be posted on media. We don't, you created this incredible YouTube channel where thousands of people have come and learned about the steps and emotional sobriety. You know, yeah, we, we're responsible for the content of this stuff, but without you, man, None of it's it stays between Tom and I. Hey, hey, well, hey, let's go ahead, let's go ahead and look on the speaking of internal systems. Let's look at the internal system of the actual podcast. He's also the one that keeps us on the subject. It's That's like, right. so, it's like already right. he's so, done it today. So, so look, this is not to make you feel better about yourself. I don't, I, I don't, I don't yeah, don't feel better about yourself. Don't feel better about yourself. <laughs> this is just to say that we have a much, I have a much different experience of your value. And I, I, I think it's safe to speak for Tom on this one mm-hmm. is that it's a time of year for me to express my appreciation mm-hmm. for you and all yeah. that you do behind the scenes and even on the scene. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot, man, there's a lot going on behind this to even get this out there and, 
and to be able to share this message with other people. So thank you. Yep. Yep. Thanks guys. Hey, and you know, uh, the story about the chickpea, the roomy story that you closed the oh, chapter I with. That. Yeah. I, I think I just, there's what I said earlier is another way of saying that there is an internal resistance to being the chickpea and the spices kind of that I wish I didn't well, have, tell, but tell I, the yeah. story. Can you, you share this story? So people know that haven't read the book. So, oh, so well, you should Rumi do it, is one of my yeah. favorite poets, right? And, and I love Rumi's poetry because for me, when I was exposed to it, God, probably 20 some years ago now, it resonated so deeply with my experience in life that in now we're going back to the 12th century. This guy wrote these these poems in Farsi and and they've been brought to us through Robert Bly's work. Maybe he's passed away now, but he was one of the great American poets um, through Coleman Barks. Um, and there's been a few other people that have translated Rumi, but those are my two favorites. And, and when their translations, in which I've been told, are very, very accurate, we get to see the incredible empathy and, and how in touch Rumi was with the issues that we're all struggling with in life and trying to make sense of this life, right, that we're all living in. And uh, do you want to read that part of the book, Patrick, or you want me to tell the story? You know what? I can read this part of the book. The Sufi poet Rumi from the 13th century wrote a story about a cook and a chickpea. I will paraphrase it for you. The cook is preparing a batch of chickpeas for a meal. One chickpea keeps trying to leap out of the pot of boiling water. Who wouldn't? The cook keeps knocking the chickpea back into the boiling water with his ladle. The desperate chickpea, chickpea says to the cook, why are you doing this to me? The cook answers, because you are being prepared for something great. You're going to be mixed with fine spices and become a great nourishment for a hungry soul. Remember, the cook says, when you drank the water from the garden, it was preparing you for this. So look, so you and I and Tom, we're all the chickpeas trying to jump out of the boiling water. Absolutely. Called life, right? and, and life keeps standing there with the ladle, bang, back into the pot, bang, back into the pot. And we keep wanting to jump out. I mean, see, that, that is the essence, right? We talk about this all the time as life happens and we object. That's the chickpea objecting to being in the boiling water. We object to whatever is happening to our life because it's not what's supposed to be happening. And yet we are being prepared for something greater. We can't see it at the time. I mean, I, I love when I was told by Father Richard Rohr, who's, who's just an amazing man, and I love his work. He said, things that we're going through right now may make no sense at all to us. They may be senseless. We don't understand them. We're confused by them. We're upset by them. We're objecting to them. We resent them. We resist them, all that stuff. And he says, but I want you to put a bookmark in your experience. And he says, I want you to come back 10 years later. After you live for 10 years and look at that one experience that you couldn't stand, that was so difficult, so painful, so frustrating for you. He says, because once you live for 10 years, that experience you had makes perfect sense in terms of the context of your life. We can't see the sense that it's making because we're in the middle of the process. Sometimes it won't take 10 years, sometimes six months from now, sometimes a week from now, 
right? Sometimes the next day it makes sense to you. But it is so true that the experience we're having is preparing us if we show up in the right way. And that's what this book I've written, and that's what emotional sobriety is all about, is to help people absorb those spices of life where we can become nourishment, nourishment for ourselves, nourishment for the people we love and care about, nourishment for somebody else who's still suffering. It's such a it's, it's such an important. I mean, there's so many different different levels of that too, uh, Alan. It's it's. I mean, it goes back. First of all, it goes back to what we were talking about with Patrick at the at the outset of of the the idea of you look back at your life with hindsight, and you're going to see. You know, if you can look back in, with some objectivity, <clears throat> you know, then you're what you're going to see is you're going to see things from a different perspective. And and insight insight comes with hindsight. That that uh, you know, it, one of the things that I think blocks a lot of us that are way too smart for our own good. And I'm sure there are a lot of people listening that can identify with this one. It's like, is we, we buy into this belief that insight is going to be what changes us. It's like, yeah. it doesn't, I think insights can give us direction. It can nudge us one way or the other, but, but it's, you know, only, you know, only, only practice changes things. And so, so it's, you know, and, and our best guess on the front end about what something's going to mean is, is only that it's a best guess. But looking back and and what you said, Alan, it could be a day or it could be 20 years, you know, and the truth is I may have a better insight tomorrow about what we what our conversation is today. But if I really want the clearest insight, probably I need to check 20 years from now because the perspective is everything. And part of that is just to let go of, of the need for all these insights, because those are so ego driven. It's like, I want to, I want to feel so bright and so, you know, good. And, you know, and I don't like being out of control and insights give us this, this really illusion that we're in control of things. And it's like, it's like, it's so the idea of living in the moment doesn't have a lot to do with insight. Yeah. And I love right. what I love what you said. This is, I mean, this is truly a wonderful nutshell, shell, Alan. And, and and I don't know if you, if I have to look back through the book and see if you actually have these two sentences together, but they should be. Life happens, we object. Yeah, that's yeah. it, man. That's the bumper sticker. That's the bumper sticker, man. Life happens, we object. Well, life happens, we object, and that's okay. Yeah. No. And that's the beginning part of it. See, I, I, I think that that's the important thing here that we're, I hope people are getting the message is we all have to start with where we're at. We're not asking you to, to feel bad about who you are, wherever you're at in your development is where you're at. You know, okay. um, you know, I, I was reading um, some of Richard Swartz's uh, work on this uh, internal family systems. You and I were having a little discussion mm-hmm. about it afterwards and how, there's so much of it that I could say I see the roots of gestalt therapy in, in what he's talking about. Mm. I don't know if he was trained in that way or not, but I also see the model of therapy that you've developed, the mm-hmm. intrapersonal mm. model. I mean, it's very, very interesting. So one of his recent books is No Bad Parts. Mm-hmm. No Bad Parts, which is what we talk about all the time, is that, mm-hmm. you know, these parts all develop inside of, of us as adaptations to what the situation we're in, and they're the best adaptation that we can come up with at the time. That's the force that's in us, this force towards actualizing whatever is possible to us at the moment. And that's what he is capturing in this. And that in one way, we're talking about that same thing now, yep. is that yep. whatever you're struggling with, 
if you start to really develop a more, in, in, in one way of saying, a more personal and yet objective, like a, become a participant observer. I love that mm-hmm. phrase that yes. Harry Stack yes. Sullivan developed. Mm-hmm. We're participating in our lives, and at the same time, we're observing it with that eye of wisdom, right? And saying, what does this mean? What's going on here? What does this tell me about where I'm at right now? And what can't, what don't, what am I not able to see given what's going on right now? Patrick, like when we were talking about the beginning of this thing, you know, what the struggle you were having, you know, a question for you is, is what can you not see right now that's true about your life? And down the road, you might be able to see, you know, you may look back at this two years with Tom and I and say, oh, my God, it was the biggest waste of time in my whole life with these crazy guys that thought they had something to say in the world. Or you might say, my God, that was a remarkable experience. I mean, I look back at my time with Dr. Kempler and at the time I was having it, there's no way I fully understood the the incredible gift I was given right. and, and what it was really going to mean for me in my life. I mean, and now the, that 20 years has informed so much of my life and I wish Walt was here. Walt, I know you're listening out there. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. I'm forever grateful for all that you've given me. That's that's a that's wonderful to say. And I think that it's it also this is I don't you know, we may, I, I have a good feeling we're going to spend more time in future episode uh, about this chapter. So I'll veer off just a little bit and stick with this theme of gratitude that we have toward the end of the year here. It's like, you know, my, my professionally, my greatest teacher is a woman in Atlanta, Georgia named Jackie Damgard. And uh, my wife and I trained with her for, for several years after graduation. Uh, it's, it's um, after graduate school. And um, it's, it's like, and I, and I, the resistance that I had, I've always, you know, I basically, my, my history in doing training and in therapy is I pay somebody a lot of money and then I dig my heels in and say, fuck you. That's, you know, it's like, no way I'm going to do it. And that's, that's kind of that we talk about hindsight that that's what I understand. But I think about the resistance. I mean, uh, almost wanted to storm out on the day that I first sat in a group with her, you know, just hey that. And it's like to the point where her, her, again, her last name is damn guard. So my wife and I actually, uh, her, her, her name has become a verb. When we talk about our, our work, we say, we say, you know, what happened in, and she's one of those, she's masterful at dealing with any kind of resistance. And, and so we say with the so-and-so and so-and-so I had this deal, but it's okay. I damn guarded them. You know, it's like, it's, it's like, and we both just know what yeah. that means and, and what it means by the way, for the, for, you know, the short version is, is what you and I both know too, is, is what it, what it means is you don't resist resistance. Distance, you know, the hell of a verb. Oh, it's girl as hell. I just, yeah, it's like, like I, just, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm damn garden people all over the place. Uh, but I love it's so it is good to be able to to to, uh, to take a moment and just think about the people who have uh, contributed to who we are and how to we are right now. That's right. Yeah, you know, I uh, one of my recovery idols, David Milch. Um, I think he was either direct quoting or paraphrasing the big book, but it's that you can only, you can't think your way to right action. You can only act your way to right thinking. And Mm -hmm. this chapter, I folds into that somewhat, wouldn't you say? I mean, because it's about, um, you know, um, it's about being in the world and it's about letting your deeds kind of guide you to a place of inner serenity. 
Yeah. 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 Let's let's say let's I want to say the name of the chapter out loud because it's I mean, this is it. I mean, what I was saying to you at the beginning, uh, Alan, is is uh, I I love this chapter when I first read it, but I reread it today, getting ready for our our podcast today. And and I, you know, I have decided having gone back through this book through the through the weeks we've been doing this. This is my favorite chapter, and it's really bringing everything home. It's called living a purposeful life. And, it, and it's where you talk about uh, the the 12 step, the 12 step, the and how, how that is this. What we're talking about here, what you're writing about here is the is step 12 through the lens of emotional sobriety. So here is step 12. I think, you know, some of our listeners may not know it because you may not be working a 12 step program, but it's a powerful step. It says having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps We tried to carry this message to alcoholics, and I love this part, and to practice these principles in all our affairs, right? So it's talking about a spiritual awakening, and we'll get into what that means. We're carrying this message to alcoholics. We have a new purpose in life right now to help the person who's still suffering, and our purpose is to practice these principles in all our affairs, to integrate what we've been learning in how we're living. This step is so powerful, isn't it, Tom, in terms of mm-hmm. the forces that it's bringing together and, and really solidifying in our person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and there's the word again, the word that, that to me is, is in all caps, no matter, no matter where it is, and that's practice. Practice that's right. these Principles, and because because the thing is, you know, this is that place where you know my line about that is anybody can have a good day on a good day. It's like yeah. you know the the what you know what tells the tale is is how you do on you know where when somebody when 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 things are not going well or when things are going horribly, you know, and we do get knocked. You know, I love your I love your emphasis throughout your work and throughout this book about balance uh, uh, and the idea we, we're going to lose our balance. You know, we, we're even going to fall you know, over flat on our face, flat on our butts, that kind of stuff. That's, that's not, that's not the measure. The measure is getting back up, brushing ourselves off, reaching out, making contact, letting people know we're, we're, we're there, what we need and keep going. And that's practice. That's right. And it's, and that's, and I love in your, in the book where you, you, you also, you, uh, you talk about practical in, in almost as a synonym for purposeful. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's right. It's, it's, right. it's it really is. It, it's like, um, yeah, it's living. It's it's living our lives in a way that we are useful. Yes, it is. In 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 you know, Patrick, when we were starting out, you said you liked the quote in there that I put in that I grabbed from Dr. David Viscott. Now, some of you may not know Dr. David Viscott because he was pretty popular about twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he was one of the first, the pioneers in in um, in you know psychology for the for the masses. I call it turning over psychology to the grassroots. And um, he was on a he had a very 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 popular radio show. He was on television often, and he just was an incredibly incredibly bright guy who really understood life and really understood struggling and how to, how to deal with things. You have that quote, Patrick, that you could read for us. I do. The purpose of life is to discover your gift. The work of life is to develop it. The meaning of life is to give your gift away. 
Yeah, there it's it the is. Tw- it's the 12th it step. Is. It's the 12th step, man. It is, isn't it? It really is. And he's captured that and what he's saying and, and how he's talking about it. It's mm-hmm. so powerful to me what he's really capturing in terms of um, how important it is in life. Because, look, we, we go back to what Bill said, is that he said that our dilemma is that our instincts have gone awry. So our instincts are, are really natural. They're, they're, they're very important. They're part of who we are, right? And we have a lot of different ones. You know, we have the instinct that grows us to be what we can be. You know, that force in us that moves us towards self-actualization. We have the desire to be, to connect with someone, to be a part of, right? To join for union. We have the desire to be our own person. That's a powerful force in us. Well, we also have the desire to have a purpose in our life. I think that's that's just naturally built into us, Tom. I yeah. think that that yeah. desire to have meaning and purpose in our life is so, so, you know, at the root of what Dr. Um, Victor Frankl talks about. Mm-hmm. You know, his logotherapy was all about helping people discover their purpose in life. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. how powerful this thing is, yeah. is, you know, millions and millions of people have read Man's Search for Meaning because we can all relate to, I want to feel like I'm making a difference in this, in this big, big scheme of things. Yeah. You know, what can I do? And a lot of times I was so self-centered in that. I wanted to be significant, meaning I want to make a difference for myself. And yeah. I realized how limiting that was for me and how unsatisfying you know, we talk about nourishment. It wasn't nourishing me. It was quite toxic to be that self-centered. Absolutely. It's, you know, it's one thing just occurred to me, as far as I know, the first the first time ever you talk about instincts, it's like I realized that part of as we go toward understanding the multiplicity of our consciousness, which is one of the interesting points I think we're kind of making a sideways way today is, is, you know, whether it be through your gestalt, through where, where I got to where I was going, where, where, uh, 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 Richard Schwartz has gotten to the intrafamily systems. It's like the reason we come to similar ideas is because there's there's truth in them. It's yeah. like it's it's like the observe the observer the observers as we all start to watch this stuff. This is this is what wisdom is made of. It's like when people you know we, and that's why when we you read Rumi or or I'm reading uh, the med- meditations with by Marcus Aurelius you know from mm-hmm. you know the, the, the amazing wonderful you know Stoic uh, philosopher and and uh, yes. uh, emperor. It's it's like I mean it's the same stuff. You read it and you go oh. I like the way because what we're really saying is, oh, I like the way you said that because, you know, we're coming to the same thing. And one of the things that just occurred to me today is that as we become more aware of our parts, of all, of all the various multiple parts of ours, so as we understand that that's not a toxic thing. It's just the nature of our consciousness. We also have multiple instincts. I never thought of it in that way. The idea. So we actually end up with because we're human. You know, I don't think they necessarily have to be, but because we're human, we may have competing instincts in a way. Because because I know that my my instincts for self protection, you know, that are that are in that in the natural world are absolutely important. But in terms of how they have the ones that developed that got me into a lot of the the, the uh, defensive behaviors and drinking and and you know that kind of stuff. Those instincts, you know, to to, to run, to hide, to to cover, you know, to you know, to not, you know, to to be less invulnerable. 
you know, are still working in me. I can feel them. But I also have a very strong instinct because of the work that that I have done personally, because of a lot of the work that we've done together. I have a very strong and it's and it's it would be un, unrealistic to call it less than an instinct, an instinct to do the right thing. Yeah. And it's like it's in and to do it, to do it the best way I possibly can. And it's it's like that's a really nice thing to be able to say, I need to I need to realize I can, I, you know, that and that's who we are. For me, I am the I am when well, you talk about the uh, what you say, the the uh, participant observer, you know, I I am that that decision maker in me that listens to. And all the all that there is, and, and rather than debate him, I'm, you know, I make the best. I'm the guy who's in charge of making that decision, and it's like so we listen, and it's and we listen with acceptance to to even the most toxic. I don't care if the tequila boy over there in the corner wants to say I think this would be a great day to relapse and go go get some booze. It's like. I, you know, at this point in my life, thank, I'm very grateful that I can say thank you for sharing, you know, uh, and I hope you're well, hope you had a good holiday. And he <laughs> says, I didn't, you know, and I said, I got it. I and we, and we, and we move on, but we don't, we, we move on with a different decision. He doesn't have to be gone. That's, the parts of me that are scared or, or want to duck and cover and hide, they don't have to go anywhere. We don't get rid of anybody. I always say there's bad news and good news. We don't get rid of anybody. That's the bad news. The good news is we don't have to. We well, just no change our part, right? We go, we go back to what, what uh, Dr. Schwartz said, no bad part. Yeah. And we agree with that is that now, like you, you're tequila boy, mm-hmm. you know, my addict self, when it starts to speak up, I also say, God, I, I need to check in what's missing here. Yeah. What's going on that that part of me is feeling like I need to go out or drink or use right now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I can use it as a signaling device, right? It's like, it's telling me, Alan, pay attention. You know, that part of you come came up because it yep. was a way you took care of yourself before. It means you're not right. taking care of yourself. So now what do I need to do? What yeah. do I need to do to show up now to be able to take care of myself better? And I'll tell you, that works so well. You know, yep. it's amazing how powerful that can be. You know, it's, it just occurs to me, too, that it's on a continuum. It's like the continuum, I realized, is when I when you said that, I was thinking about the uh, tequila boy in my head. It's like I'm thinking <laughs> on one end of the continuum, on the lightest end of the continuum is simply nostalgia. It yes. really is as simple as that. It's like it's like yeah. like remember because I because, you know, one of the things I tell alcoholics when, when, when they're making the decision to stop drinking, is I'll say, here's a, here's good news. You get to keep the memories. You know, no matter how vague they are, you get to keep all the, you know, the, whatever the best stories you have, you get to keep them, you know, and, and, you know, what I don't tell them at the time is we get to keep exaggerating them and all that other stuff. But it's, but it's, but it's like, so I could hear from that just, it, and it's just a reminder and it's a wonderful thing for, to hear that, that tequila boy talk is just a reminder that I'm an, al- that I have alcoholism. So it's like, I don't ever yeah. want to forget that. It's not a bad thing. I want to remember, but it can always, then I can listen as there distress in it. And what you're saying is, yeah, if there's distress, then I need to take action. I need to, I need to make that phone call. I need to get to that meeting. I need to let somebody else know so that, because isolation, you know, nothing, nothing can get us unless we isolate. So yeah, Tom, um, I uh, sometimes fall to the temptation of looking at my pre-recovery time as like a void where nothing, mm-hmm. nothing was being transmitted, nothing mm-hmm. was going on. But mm-hmm. what I've learned from you, Tom, is that there was a whole lot going on. I was just still learning to parse it all and absolutely you know, to find yeah. what the, the needle in the haystack kind of thing, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, if we could travel back in time, if we could travel back in time, I would not. This is one of the, the blessings of, of, of and I, one of the things I love about being a therapist is, is even though the person that's sitting across from me is having the hardest time finding themselves, you know, yeah. and, and Alan, tell me if you if you get the if you have the thing that it's like for, for whether I can explain it or not, from the moment I meet somebody, I'm already talking to that part. That's yeah. the part I'm talking to always. So if we travel back in time and find, you know, a screwed up, messed up, kind of lost soul of yourself, Patrick, we're, Alan and I walk in, you may not know who we are, but it's like, we're going to be able to make contact with you immediately. And it's going to be you that we're talking to. And it's like, and, and, you know, and it's, it's, and you're there. It's like, it's so important for people to know that you're in there. You just, uh, you just got work to do. It's an excavation kind of, you know, rescue mission. That's right. Well said, Tom. Well said. Yeah. And we, and we, and the other thing about the memory stuff, Patrick, is, I mean, um, my wife, my wife's uh, recovering too. And it's like, bless her heart. She didn't have any fun memories. She didn't, her, 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 her experience with addiction was not. And I, so I realized she's taught me that everybody is not like I am. It's like, now some of the stuff I have can be euphoric recall and some of that stuff, but it's like, the truth is, you know, I lucked out and not, and not, not killing anybody and not, you know, not harming anybody physically. I did plenty right. of damage along the way, but, but the, the truth is I've also been able to accept that I had a lot of fun, you know, when I was young and, and drunk and, and, you know, do, doing drugs and stuff like that. I don't have to deny that when I, what I, you know, it, it, I just, I just need to under, just understand that the, those times are gone and they need to be gone. They should have been, if I was being healthier, they would have gone earlier, but it's like, I don't have to deny that either. It's part of my life. I'm glad to have uh, intersected with you on my journey. Um, oh, and, me too, uh, man. Yeah. Um, the pain of not knowing, of not feeling useful, I guess. That's what I re resonated with me in this chapter and um, or feeling as though I'm not useful. And um, well, and it's a terrible pain, isn't it? It is, Patrick. It's mm -hmm. an emptiness, isn't it? Is that how you experience it or tell us how you experience that? Oh, well, I think, um, you know, I had a bunch of ideas, expectations when I uh, was graduating college uh, in the uh, late 2000s and um and then i think there was just a long process of trailing of not really knowing and having the wrong idea about what what constitutes being useful and how to go about that and um i i've i've picked up a lot of that those threads in recovery i'm grateful for that still working you know on what it. one of the things i would want to celebrate with you is that that you're you're describing a pain that came from not feeling useful you know, I'm making the argument earlier in the in the in the podcast that you probably you probably were useful in ways you didn't know, but 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 you know, and 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 I'm not and I'm not saying this to be self-deprecating, but I'm going like, just in terms of a comparative, it's like it took me a long time to even know to, to, to have the pain about that. It's, it's like, for me, it's a lot like Alan, I've heard you talk about this too. It was a lot about, about a lot of my pain was about how, how the world wasn't, wasn't meeting my expectations. You know, it's like, you know, I was, I always write, I always when I write about my younger life out, just out of college. When you talk about that, I was waiting to be discovered. I was waiting for the world to discover what a talented writer I was, because that's what I was going to, to, to be. But it, it's like, you know, and I think I put in embracing fear. It's like, Turns out later I found out that nobody was even looking for me. You know, it's like that, you know, <laughs> but I got to tell you, 
when when I think back to that, I wasn't I wasn't thinking about being useful. So I, I so I credit you. I give you I give you a compliment for the kind of pain you had as, as a young man that I didn't have. It's like because yeah. that's that's a that's 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 an evolved pain. It's like I want I want to be I want to be of help. I want to be purposeful. And it's yeah. like I'll, and I love that. And I, you know, I have that instinct today, but didn't didn't back then that I know of. Well, I felt very weird at like 22 for finding so much resonance in that movie, The Wrestler. <laughs> oh, wow. yeah. It's like yeah. it's like I'm, I'm way too fucking young to, you know, uh, feel uh, a kinship with Mickey Rourke in that movie. Yeah. No, you're something's you're wrong. Also, <laughs> I think I think you probably fit that category of old souls. It's like you, you probably came into this life ready, ready, ready to 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 correct some things from the past and. Uh, you know, I always say, like, if there's, if there's such a thing in reincarnation, I must have been so fucked up for so long that that whoever decides just said, why don't we make him a therapist? And maybe if he just sits <laughs> in therapy all the time, he'll begin to catch on. You know, it's like so. So I like I like the fact that you hit the ground running in this life. I'll keep running. Mm-hmm. Well, well, you're, you're completely so you're, you're completely essential to us, by the way. I, and that's not that's not just to pat you on the head or be. I, I mean, that's the truth. When you say that useful, you this this is a three way. This is a three way partnership. This is this. This is. The, and we didn't. That's not the way it started. That's not the way we, we began it. We began it with Alan and I and doing this. But it's like when we, we start when we've got the podcast. And the reason you're a part of the conversation every time is because that's just how this evolved very, very quickly. You know, it's you are part of this. Well, I'm grateful to be here. Well, let's talk next time. I think let's stay on this chapter one more week so that we can mm-hmm. talk about how do you find, you know, that meaning and your purpose for your life, because it's an important question in terms of how do we discover that? So, yes, um, let's spend some time with that next time. Absolutely. And we will be in 2022 next time we visit our beloved wow. audience. All right. Peace. Tinge your life, tinge your myth, cultivate your narrative with whomever you're with. Then with glass in hand and children on one knee, bring some stories, bring your stories back to me. It ain't a crime to be a human, never be ashamed to be yourself. Rest assured that whatever you're doing Will entertain me like nobody else So here's to us, my old friends Until it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again With glass in hand and children on one knee Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me